Chapters seven and eight of Stories from Virgil. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Stories from Virgil by Alfred J. Church. Chapters seven and eight. Chapter seven. Carthage. All these things did Jupiter behold, and even as he beheld them, there came to him Venus having a sad countenance, and her shining eyes dim with tears, and spake, O great father, that rulest all things. What have Aeneas and the men of Troy sinned against thee, that the whole world is shut against them? Didst thou not promise that they should rule over land and sea? Why, then, art thou turned back from thy purpose? With this I was wont to comfort myself for the evil fate of Troy, but, lo, this same fate follows them still, nor is there any end to their troubles. And yet it was granted to Antenor, himself also a man of Troy, that he should escape from the Greeks and coming to the Liburnian land, where Timavis flows with much noise into the sea, build a city, and find rest for himself. But we, who are thy children, are kept far from the land which thou hast sworn to give us." Then her father kissed her once and again, and answered, smiling, "'Fear not, my daughter. The fate of thy children changeth not. Thou shalt see this city for which thou lookest and shalt receive thy son, the great-hearted Aeneas, into the heavens. Hearken, therefore, and I will tell thee things to come. Aeneas shall war with the nations of Italy, and shall subdue them, and build a city, and rule therein for three years. And after the space of thirty years shall the boy Ascanius, who shall hereafter be called Iulus also, change the place of his throne from Lavinium unto Alba and for three hundred years shall there be kings in Alba of the kindred of Hector. Then shall a priestess bear to Mars twin sons, whom a she-wolf shall suckle, of whom the one, even Romulus, shall build a city, dedicating it to Mars, and call it Rome, after his own name. To which city have I given empire without bound or end? And Juno also shall repent her of her wrath, and join counsel with me, cherishing the men of Rome so that they shall bear rule even over Argos and Mycenae. And when he had said this, he sent down his messenger, even Mercury, to turn the heart of Dido and her people, where they dwelt in the city of Carthage, which they had builded, so that they should deal kindly with the strangers. Now it came to pass on the next day that Aeneas, having first hidden his ships in a bay that was well covered with trees, went forth to spy out the new land whither he was come and Achates only went with him. And Aeneas had in each hand a broad-pointed spear. And as he went there, met him in the middle of the wood, his mother, but habited as a Spartan virgin, for she had hung a bow from her shoulders after the fashion of a huntress, and her hair was loose, and her tunic short to the knees, and her garments gathered in a knot upon her breast. Then first the false huntress spake. If perchance ye have seen one of my sisters wandering hereabouts, Make known to me the place. She is girded with a quiver, and is clothed with the skin of a spotted lynx, or maybe she hunts a wild boar with horn and hound. To whom Aeneas, I have not seen nor heard, sister of thine, O virgin, for what shall I call thee? For, of a surety, neither is thy look as of a mortal woman, nor yet thy voice. A goddess certainly thou art, sister of Phoebus, or haply one of the nymphs. But whosoever thou art, Look favourably upon us, and help us. Tell us in what land we be, 
for the winds have driven us hither, and we know not aught of place or people. And Venus said, Nay, stranger, I am not such as ye think. We virgins of Tyre are wont to carry a quiver and to wear a buskin of purple, for indeed it is a Tyrian city that is hard by, though the land be Libya. And of this city Dido is queen, having come hither from Tyre, flying from the wrong-doing of her brother. And indeed the story of the thing is long, but I will recount the chief matter thereof to thee. The husband of this Dido was one Sychaeus, richest among all the men of Phoenicia, and greatly beloved of his wife, whom he married from a virgin. Now the brother of this Sychaeus was Pygmalion, the king of the country, and he exceeded all men in wickedness. And when there arose a quarrel between them, the king, being exceedingly mad after gold, took him unaware, even as he did sacrifice at the altar, and slew him. And the king hid the matter many days from Dido, and cheated her with false hopes. But at the last there came to her in her dreams the likeness of the dead man, bearing his wounds, and showing the wickedness which had been done. Also he bade her make haste, and fly from that land, and, that she might do this the more easily, told her of great treasure, gold and silver, that was hidden in the earth. And Dido, being much moved by these things, made ready for flight. Also she sought for companions, and there came together to her all as many as hated the king or feared him. Then did they seize ships that chanced to be ready, and laded them with gold, even the treasure of King Pygmalion, and so fled across the sea. And in all this was a woman the leader. Then came they to this place where thou seest the walls and citadel of Carthage, and bought so much land as they could cover with a bull's hide. And now do ye answer me this, whence come ye, and whither do ye go? Then answered Aeneas, Should I tell the whole story of our wanderings, and thou have leisure to hear, evening would come ere I could make an end. We are men of Troy, who, having journeyed over many seas, have now been driven by storms to this shore of Libya. And as for me, men call me the Prince Aeneas, the land I seek is Italy, and my race is from Jupiter himself. With twenty ships did I set sail, going in the way whereon the gods sent me, and of these scarce seven are left. And now, seeing that Europe and Asia endure me not, I wander over the desert places of Africa." But Venus suffered him not to speak more, but said, Whoever thou art, stranger, that art come to this Tyrian city, thou art surely beloved by the gods. And now go, show thyself to the queen. And as for thy ships and thy companions, I tell that they are safe in the haven, if I have not learnt augury in vain. See those twenty swans, how joyously they fly! And now there cometh an eagle swooping down from the sky, putting them to confusion. But now again they move in due order and some are settling on the earth, and some preparing to settle, even so doth it fare with thy ships. For either are they already in the haven, or enter thereinto with sails full set." And as she spake she turned away, and there shone a rosy light from her neck. Also there came from her hair a sweet savour as of ambrosia, and her garments grew unto her feet, and Aeneas perceived that she was his mother, and cried aloud, O my mother! Why dost thou mock me so often with false shows, nor sufferest me to join my hand unto thy hand, and to speak with thee face to face? And he went towards the walls of the city. But Venus covered him and his companions with a mist, that no man might see them, or hinder them, 
or inquire of their business, and then departed to Paphos, where was her temple, and also many altars of incense. Then the men hastened on their way, and mounting a hill which hung over the city, marvelled to behold it, for indeed it was very great and noble, with mighty gates and streets, and a multitude that walked therein. For some built the walls and the citadel, rolling great stones with their hands, and others marked out places for houses. Also they chose those that should give judgment and bear rule in the city. Some, too, digged out harbours, and others laid the foundations of a theatre, and cut out great pillars of stone. Like to bees they were, when, the summer being newly come, the young swarms go forth, or when they labour filling the cells with honey, and some receive the burdens of those that return from the fields, and others keep off the drones from the hive. Even so laboured the men of Tyre. And when Aeneas beheld them, he cried, Happy ye, who even now have a city to dwell in. And being yet hidden with the mist, he went in at the gate, and mingled with the men. Being seen of none. Now in the midst of the city was a wood, very thick with trees, and here the men of Carthage, first coming to the land from their voyage, had digged out of the ground that which Juno had said should be a sign to them, even a horse's head for that, finding this, their city would be mighty in war, and full of riches. Here, then, Dido was building a temple to Juno, very splendid, with threshold of bronze, and many steps thereunto. Of bronze also were the door-posts, and the gates. And here befell a thing which gave much comfort and courage to Aeneas, for as he stood and regarded the place, waiting also for the queen, he saw set forth in order upon the walls the battles that had been fought at Troy the sons of Atreus also, and King Priam, and fierce Achilles. Then said he, not without tears, Is there any land, O Achates, that is not filled with our sorrows? Seest thou Priam? Yet withal there is a reward for virtue here also, and tears of pity for the troubles of men. Fear not, therefore. Surely the fame of these things shall profit us. Then he looked, satisfying his soul with the paintings on the walls. For there was the city of Troy. In this part of the field the Greeks fled, and the youth of Troy pursued them. And in that the men of Troy fled, and Achilles followed hard upon them in his chariot. Also he saw the white tents of Rhesus, king of Thrace, whom the fierce Diomed slew in his sleep, when he was newly come to Troy, and drave his horses to the camp before they ate of the grass of the fields of Troy, or drank the waters of Xanthus. There also Troilus was pictured ill-matched in battle with the great Achilles. His horses bear him along, but he lay on his back in the chariot, yet holding the reins, and his neck and head were dragged upon the earth, and the spear-point made a trail in the dust. And in another place the women of Troy went suppliant-wise to the temple of Minerva, bearing a great and beautiful robe, sad and beating their breasts, and with hair unbound. But the goddess regarded them not. Also Achilles dragged the body of Hector three times round the walls of Troy, and was selling it for gold. And Aeneas groaned when he saw the man whom he loved, and the old man Priam reaching out helpless hands. Also he knew himself, fighting in the midst of the Grecian chiefs. Black Memnon also he knew, and the hosts of the east, and Penthesilea leading the army of Amazons with shields shaped as the moon. Fierce she was to see, with one breast bared for battle, and a golden girdle beneath it, a damsel daring to fight with men. 
Chapter Eight, Dido. But while Aeneas marvelled to see these things, lo, there came with a great throng of youths behind her Dido, most beautiful of women, fair as Diana, when on the banks of Eurotas or on the hills of Synthus she leads the dance with a thousand nymphs of the mountains about her. On her shoulder she bears a quiver, and overtops them all, and her mother, even Latona, silently rejoices to behold her. So fair and seemly to see was Dido as she bare herself right nobly in the midst, being busy in the work of her kingdom. Then she sat herself down on a lofty throne in the gate of the temple, with many armed men about her, and she did justice between man and man. Also she divided the work of the city, sharing it equally, or parting it by lot. Then of a sudden Aeneas heard a great clamour, and saw a company of men come quickly to the place, among whom were Antheus, and Sergestus, and Cloanthus, and others of the men of Troy that had been parted from him in the storm. Right glad was he to behold them, yet was not without fear, and though he would fain have come forth and caught them by the hand, yet did he tarry, waiting to hear how the men had fared, where they had left their ships, and wherefore they were come. Then Ilioneus, leave being now given that he should speak, thus began, O Queen, whom Jupiter permits to build a new city in these lands, we men of Troy, whom the winds have carried over many seas, pray thee that thou save our ships from fire, and spare a people that serveth the gods. For, indeed, we are not come to waste the dwellings of this land, or to carry off spoils to our ships. For, of a truth, they who have suffered so much think not of such deeds. There is a land which the Greeks call Hesperia, but the people themselves Italy, after the name of their chief, an ancient land mighty in arms and fertile of corn. Hither were we journeying, when a storm arising scattered our ships, and only these few that thou seest escaped to the land. And can there be nation so savage that it receiveth not shipwrecked men on its shore, but beareth arms against them, and forbiddeth them to land? Nay, but if ye care not for men, yet regard the gods, who forget neither them that do righteously nor them that transgress. We had a king, Aeneas, than whom there lived not a man more dutiful to gods and men, and greater in war. If indeed be he yet alive, then we fear not at all, for of a truth it will not repent thee to have helped us. And if not, other friends have we, as Acestes of Sicily. Grant us, therefore, to shelter our ships from the wind, also to fit them with fresh timber from the woods, and to make ready oars for rowing so that finding again our king and our companions we may gain the land of Italy. But if he be dead, and Ascanius his son lost also, then there is a dwelling ready for us in the land of Sicily, with Acestes, who is our friend. Then Dido, her eyes bent on the ground, thus spake, Fear not, men of Troy. If we have seemed to deal harshly with you, pardon us, seeing that being newly settled in this land, we must keep watch and ward over our coasts. But as for the men of Troy, and their deeds in arms, who knows them not? Think not that we in Carthage are so dull of heart, or dwell so remote from man, that we are ignorant of these things. Whether, therefore, ye will journey to Italy, or rather return to Sicily and King Acestes, know that I will give you all help and protect you. For, if ye will, settle in this land of ours, 
Yours is this city which I am building. I will make no difference between man of Troy and man of Tyre. Would that your king also were here! Surely I will send those that shall seek him in all parts of Libya, lest haply he should be gone astray in any forest or strange city of the land. And when Aeneas and Achates heard these things they were glad, and would have come forth from the cloud, and Achates said, What thinkest thou? Lo, thy comrades are safe, saving him whom we saw with our own eyes drowned in the waves, and all other things are according as thy mother said. And even as he spake the cloud parted from about them, and Aeneas stood forth very bright to behold, with face and breast as of a god, for his mother had given to him hair beautiful to see, and cast about him the purple light of youth, even as a workman sets ivory in some fair ornament, or compasseth about silver or marble of paros with gold. Then spake he to the queen, Lo, I am he whom ye seek, even Aeneas of Troy, scarcely saved from the waters of the sea. And as for thee, O queen, seeing that thou only hast been found to pity the unspeakable sorrows of Troy, and biddest us, though we be but poor exiles and lacking all things, to share thy city and thy home, may the gods do so to thee as thou deservest. And of a truth, so long as the rivers run to the seas, and the shadows fall on the hollows of the hills, so long will thy name and thy glory survive, whatever be the land to which the gods shall bring me. Then gave he his right hand to Elonius, and his left hand to Sergestus, and greeted them with great joy. And Dido, hearing these things, was silent for a while, but at the last she spake. What ill fortune brings thee into perils so great? What power drave thee to these savage shores? Well do I mind me how in days gone by there came to Sidon one Teucer, who, having been banished from his country, sought help from Belus that he might find a kingdom for himself. And it chanced that in those days Belus, my father, had newly conquered the land of Cyprus. From that day did I know the tale of Troy, and thy name also, and the chiefs of Greece. Also I remember that Teucer spake honourably of the men of Troy, saying that he was himself sprung of the old Teucrian stock. Come ye therefore to my palace. I too have wandered far, even as you, and so have come to this land, and having suffered much have learnt to succour them that suffer." So saying, she led Aeneas into her palace. Also she sent to his companions in the ships great store of provisions, even twenty oxen, and a hundred bristly swine, and a hundred ewe sheep with their lambs. But in the palace a great feast was set forth, couches covered with broidered purple, and silver vessels without end and cups of gold, whereon were embossed the mighty deeds of the men of old time. And in the meantime Aeneas sent Achates in haste to the ships, that he might fetch Ascanius to the feast. Also he bade that the boy should bring with him gifts of such things as they had saved from the ruins of Troy, a mantle stiff with broidery of gold, and a veil bordered with yellow acanthus, which the fair Helen had taken with her, flying from her home. But Leda, her mother, had given them to Helen, a sceptre likewise which Ilion, first-born of the daughters of Priam, had carried, and a necklace of pearls and a double crown of jewels and gold. But Venus was troubled in heart, fearing evil to her son should the men of Tyre be treacherous, after their want, and Juno remember her wrath. Wherefore, taking counsel with herself, she called to the winged boy 
even love, that was her son, and spake, My son, who art all my power and strength, who laughest at the thunders of Jupiter, thou knowest how Juno, being exceedingly wroth against thy brother Aeneas, causeth him to wander out of the way over all lands. This day Dido hath him in her palace, and speaketh him fair. But I fear me much how these things may end. Wherefore, hear thou that which I purpose. Thy brother hath even now sent for the boy Ascanius, that he may come to the palace, bringing with him gifts of such things as they saved from the ruins of Troy. Him will I cause to fall into a deep sleep, and hide in Cythera, or Idalium. And do thou for one night take upon thee his likeness, and when Queen Dido at the feast shall hold thee in her lap, and kiss and embrace thee, do thou breathe by stealth thy fire into her heart. Then did love as his mother bade him, and put off his wings, and took upon him the shape of Ascanius. But on the boy Venus caused there to fall a deep sleep, and carried him to the woods of Idalium, and lapped him in sweet-smelling flowers, and in his stead love carried the gifts to the queen. And when he was come they sat down to the feast, the queen being in the midst under a canopy. Aeneas also and the men of Troy lay on coverlets of purple, to whom serving-men brought water and bread in baskets and napkins, and within fifty handmaids were ready to replenish the store of victual and to fan the fire, and a hundred others, with pages as many, loaded the tables with dishes and drinking-cups. Many men of Tyre also were bidden to the feast. Much they marvelled at the gifts of Aeneas, and much at the false Ascanius. Dido also could not satisfy herself with looking on him nor knew what trouble he was preparing for her in the time to come. And he, having first embraced the father who was not his father, and clung about his neck, addressed himself to Queen Dido, and she ever followed him with her eyes, and sometimes would hold him on her lap. And still he worked upon her that she should forget the dead Sychaeus, and conceive a new love in her heart. But when they first paused from the feast, lo, men set great bowls upon the table, and filled them to the brim with wine. Then did the queen call for a great vessel of gold, with many jewels upon it, from which Belus, and all the kings from Belus, had drunk, and called for wine, and having filled it she cried, O Jupiter, whom they call the god of hosts and guests, cause that this be a day of joy for the men of Troy, and for them of Tyre, and that our children remember it for ever. Also Bacchus, giver of joy, be present and kindly Juno. And when she had touched the wine with her lips, she handed the great cup to Prince Bitius, who drank thereout a mighty draught, and the other princes after him. Then the minstrel Iopas, whom Atlas himself had taught, sang to the harp of the moon how she goes on her way, and of the sun how his light is darkened. He sang also of men, and of the beasts of the field whence they come, and of the stars Arcturus, and the greater bear, and the less, and the Hyades, and of the winter sun, why he hastens to dip himself in the ocean, and of the winter nights, why they tarry so long. The queen also talked much of the story of Troy, of Priam, and of Hector, asking many things, as of the arms of Memnon, and of the horses of Diomed, and Achilles, how great he was. And at last she said to Aeneas, Tell us now thy story, how Troy was taken and thy wanderings over land and sea. And Aeneas made answer, Nay, O queen, 
but thou biddest me renew a sorrow unspeakable. Yet, if thou art minded to hear these things, hearken. And he told her all that had befallen him, even to the day when his father Anchises died. End of chapters 7 and 8 Recording by Bill Borst